Live from the LA Zoo, it's the Nighttime Show! Today, our very special guest, Zoo Director John Lewis. With us, as always, our head writer, Matt Walker. Our friend of the head writer, Mike Glazer. And sometimes announcer, Sexy Sexy. (laughs) I'm the voice of the nighttime show, Mike Black. And, of course, to know him is to barely tolerate him, Stephen Kramer Glickman! (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Well done. (laughs) <laughs> wow, thank you, Mike. I appreciate it, and it is that is true. Uh, we have a very special episode today. We are uh, at the LA Zoo, and we are sitting in the office of zoo director John Lewis. This place is so cool. You have such a cool office. I, I love it. I it's, agree. Yeah, it reminds me of I don't know if you've ever seen the film Highlander. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, who you know he's lived like thousands of years and he right. has all this cool stuff in his office. It's very yeah. similar. Yeah, it's it really is. I just I, I I feel like we could spend an entire day just kind of going like like bookshelf by bookshelf in here. Like it's just you've got all sorts of cool stuff. And now in if here. he cuts off your head with a samurai sword, we'll know why. Yeah, yeah. and it'll it's, totally worth it. Totally <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> and lightning strikes right. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. right now. Hit by lightning. Yes. Um, so uh, let, let's start at the uh, at the beginning. Where, uh, John? Where did you grow up? Where did you uh, where did you get started? It was kind of split. I uh, uh, originally from Southeast Missouri, about ninety miles south of St. Louis. Oh, nice. And uh, so went there till middle school, and then high school. Literally moved to downtown New Orleans. So I went to high school in New Orleans and college in Louisiana. Oh wow! Yeah. Uh, did you? Uh, what What were your parents like? What did they do for a living? Uh, my dad was a mechanic when we were in Missouri, and then he got a job managing a, a foreign car parts store. And that's how we ended up moving to Louisiana. Wow, yeah. that's so cool. Um, did you have pets? Any pets when you were a kid? Any, oh yeah, we had lots of uh, dogs and cats and. Uh, the town I grew up in was like 2,500 people, you know, so we had a lot of access to the country. We, you know, in five minutes I could be in the woods, and I spent quite a bit of time there wow. uh, chasing animals, smoking grapevines, you know, all those kind of fun <laughs> things. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Can I just say, as someone who lived in St. Louis and went to Cape Girardeau for all right, college. there you go. And tried those grapevines as well. I yeah. feel like I'm in really good company right <laughs> now. You, know, you, know, you probably went right through Fredericktown. That's where I, I grew up. I absolutely did. Yeah. You ever go to Johnson Shut-Ins down there? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, I don't want to derail. I just... <laughs> yeah, Johnson... <laughs> Uh, yeah. It's just where this uh, river runs through these granite formations, and there are cliffs that you can jump off and dive off of, and it's just a great camp area. It's a wonderful place. Wow, that yeah. sounds that sounds amazing. Um, where did you? So where did you go to college? Where did you go to school? Went to a school at Northeast Louisiana. It's now called the University of Louisiana at Monroe. So I don't know if my degree is still good or not, but uh, <laughs> uh, I went there. It's up in the northeast part of the state. What did you study when you were in school? Animal science. I was. Uh, planning on going to veterinary school and so i was taking uh, pre-vet and animal science curriculum uh, and actually went to graduate school after graduating because they were building a new veterinary school at lsu it wasn't open yet and uh, i either had to go to texas a&m or schools in alabama if i didn't go to there so i was waiting for that school uh, to get started and um, ended up getting my first zoo job at that location it seems like it seems to me like uh like uh, I've talked to, uh, like I know a few veteran veterinarians, and I know mm-hmm. that at some point you get a chance to like, you know, maybe you take a class that has to do with zoo, you know, zoo animals. Mm-hmm. But I feel like once you are in the zoo world, like you, you probably, if you could choose between being a veterinarian for dogs and cats right. or being, you know, or working at a zoo, I feel like you'd want to work at a zoo. Like it sounds like so much more fun. I did, but it was really about money at the time. I, all through high school, I worked for a group practice in New Orleans and it was dogs and cats. And yeah. uh, uh, one of the vets actually specialized in cats. And one of his clients was a dancer on Bourbon Street that had a cheetah. So once a year, we'd go down and give the cheetah a physical one because I was underage. They had to yell out to all the women, young man coming in. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and we'd give the cheetah an exam and then leave. So she had a cheetah, like a, like a cheetah at her home, like in, living in, with her? In the club. That, oh, my God. I don't know where the cheetah went after hours, but it was in the club. Part of, part of her so similar to Siegfried and Roy. That's right. That's right. Wow. So I did that. And then when I got to college uh, uh, later on, I got a, another job with a veterinarian. He had a had a clinic in an old house and b- cleaning his kennels and helping him with after hours emergencies. Uh, my wife and I got this little one bedroom apartment in the back free. 
and he happened to be the local zoo veterinarian. He was on contract. And one day the uh, director came in. He used to come in periodically, and he was pretty upset. He had just fired somebody and asked me if I wanted a job. And I was in graduate school, and I said, well, I need money. <laughs> yeah. And I took the job as a primate supervisor and fell in love, and that's wow. that started it. 44, oh. 44 years so now. So what does a primate supervisor do? Uh, you supervise primates, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh! Uh. Kind of like what's going on in this yeah, podcast. If it gets yeah, too technical, exactly. just let me know, you know. But uh, we had uh, actually a fairly large uh, group of uh, monkeys and apes at that institution, and uh, I was able, with my animal science background, primarily in nutrition, to make a difference in their life, and I started learning their natural history and what made them tick and what made them special, and it was just, you know, it's like learning all over again. It was great. Wow. Oh, that's so, that's amazing. That's incredible. And are there a lot of individual traits in primates, just as there are, like, say, among us as people? Like, this gorilla likes this particular kind of food more than this other one, and the other gorilla doesn't like it? Like, is there a lot of that that goes on? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you have both species-specific traits, but then you have individual traits, you know, just like with us. Yeah, and you have mm -hmm. to pay attention to both of those things. Wow. Um, did you, uh, have you ever run into anyone? Because I know that there are lots of people that <laughs> in the world that have tried to own monkeys or gorillas or chimps and, and keep them at home. Have you ever had to run into a situation like that? Uh, not with apes. Uh, I've had to deal with people that, you know, want to have big cats in their home and don't really have the capacity to provide good care or think that there's quasi-tame uh, and, you know, invite people for a fee to come in and be around them. And I've had to deal with that on a pretty regular basis. People that keep uh, venomous snakes that they shouldn't have wow. and uh, become a danger to their neighbors. You know, we even had that here in L.A. I wasn't involved, but our curator of reptiles was. And uh, so, yeah, but not so much primates. There was anymore. a, uh, there was a, <laughs> my mom uh, dated a guy back in the, mid 90s who uh down in san diego who owned a, a big big huge monkey uh called mr jigs <laughs> and he was a monkey that had performed on the ed sullivan show oh, wow. and like a roller skating monkey okay and uh and so she dated this guy and she didn't really like the guy but she loved, loved the, the monkey, monkey. yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah that's so and i can understand that yeah yeah i can imagine i uh you know every time I, i've come to the la zoo i oh you i always find myself at the where the, where the primates are and I just it's like the place you kind of want to just camp out and just watch them because they're so cool they like, are cool I agree yeah. can I ask how do you gain their trust so that you can be around them uh, again it depends on the individual but you have to you know be consistent uh, have to be obvious you know letting them know what you're going to do and what you're not going to do but it's a great question because one of the things as I said I've been doing this about 44 years and so much now is done with training and building a relationship literally with with some of the great apes gorillas chimpanzees some of the orangs uh, we can ask them to present their arms now and they'll let the vets take a blood sample uh, with no anesthesia it's all through training uh, pregnant apes can be uh, examined with with uh, sonograms and ultrasounds you know without having to immobilize them I mean when I started, just about any time you had to put your hands on a large, dangerous animal, you had to anesthetize them. Now a lot of it can be done voluntarily. Wow. wow. That, yeah. What What other type of animals b besides them are are that you're able to do something like that with? That well, are just comfortable. It's it's runs the gamut of the animals that that are in a modern zoo now, and uh, I mean even the reptiles a lot of times can be trained uh, to allow access uh, or to eat certain types of food, whatever. Uh, so a lot of training is, is going on now in your in your good zoos and aquariums. So how did you make the climb from uh, you know working at a zoo to being the zoo director? Like where where did you go next? Yeah, so this is my fourth zoo, and as I said, I started in Louisiana. I was there three years, and I got this opportunity to go. The state of Minnesota was building a brand new zoo. This would have been in the late 70s, and uh, it's still there. It's the Minnesota State Zoo, just south of the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul. And I got hired as one of the original five curators at that institution. So I got to go there, and we literally were there at the beginning of building the zoo, bringing in all the animals, hiring all the original zookeepers. Um, and uh, I worked my way up to assistant director at that location, uh, then got an opportunity to be with my first director job in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, the John Ball Zoo. 
I was there for 17 years oh and then God. came to this zoo, as I said, 15 years ago. Wow. Yeah. That is amazing. Do you, do you, do you want to stay here? Is this, does this feel like home to you now? It does feel like home. Uh, you know, we, uh, my, all of our kids are grown and gone now, so my wife and I really enjoy the area, and we got a great crew here at the Los Angeles Zoo, yeah. and we're doing good work, so it's a great place to work. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Now, how has the zoo changed in your 15 years here? I mean, it's very different than it was when I was a kid. I used to come here when I was in elementary school, uh, you know, as a child. And it's very different over the, you know, 40 years that I've been coming to this yeah, zoo. Yeah, Matt, Matt's 78 years old. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you know that. But, I you mean, it looks 74. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> but, I mean, you've, you've, worked at, uh, you've worked as the zoo director at, at multiple zoos over a long period of time. Like, right. yeah, how, like how has it changed from what it used to be? Well, you know, one of the things that we face uh, at any modern zoo is the fact that at this zoo, nearly 1.8 million people come through our door every year. Plus the animals that live here, we have what now about 1,400 different individual animals. They're here all the time. So there's wear and tear on the facility. Mm-hmm. So we're constantly having to look at the uh, facility maintenance, the care of the, the site, uh, updating the habitats for the animals. New information comes along on how to care for the animals and what their needs are. So we want to update our programs, update the facilities. Uh, in the last 15 years, literally, we've spent about $180 million updating this facility. New entrants, new sea lion habitat, the new elephants of Asia, uh, great apes where the, where the uh, gorillas, well, actually all three, gorillas, orangs, and chimps all have new habitats, uh, South American habitat. So we've really been doing a lot, and we have visions for more for the future. Wow, that's mm-hmm. so incredible. Yeah, it's like I was in Beijing. Uh, I went to the zoo in Beijing back in, I think it was 2004. Okay. And I remember there, it was in the winter. So we go to the area where the big cats are, and none of them are outside. Because they're all, it's cold and there's right. snow on the ground. But then they had an area where you could go inside and see what looked to me like it was probably the old zoo oh, yeah. before they built it out. Where it's just like a cage and there's just tigers hanging out in a cage. And they're right. like maybe 10 feet away from me. And like you could feel their breath when they would growl. <laughs> oh my gosh. And it, was, it was terrifying and amazing. But it was interesting to see how they just sort of took their old zoo and just were like, we're just going to build out from, from there, there. Yeah. and make it so they have a natural habitat now. Which before it was just... Kind of like they were in jail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah like the the I, I Mike uh, Black and Mike Glazer. I don't know if you guys have ever been like within feet of a of a lion. Yeah. But uh, I I got that experience a couple of years ago at at a zoo with a like for like a trip that we went on, and where we were just within feet, like just a few feet. And the lion made like a noise, like it wasn't a, a roar, it was like a grumble. And every molecule in my body was like, run. Every, it was like, I have never in my life, uh, aside from uh, the time I went parasailing, um, where where my entire body was like, nope, get out of here. Like the, you're, It's just my natural instinct being like, you are not supposed to be here. You need to get out of here. You're like going to die. I like that the molecules in your body overestimated how fast you could run <laughs> compared to a lion. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's no way. You're like, you gotta at least try. Oh, <laughs> go, man. go down swinging. I, I do believe, Steve, when he says that's the only time in his life where he ever wanted to run. Yeah. Oh, oh real believable. nice. Real nice. You, yeah, these are your friends, right? Yeah, these okay. are my friends. <laughs> yeah. What kind of person am I? Oh, my God. <laughs> um... Uh, here's I, I got a, I got a, a question for you. Uh, well, Stephen's crying. What yeah, um, sure. what was the first pet you ever had? Do you recall? Yeah, it, it would have been a dog. Uh, actually, the dog's name was Brownie. I remember remember very well. Yeah, she was a, a uh, what kind? She was just a mixed breed hound that was uh, both a pet and uh, my grandfather and my dad uh, hunted with her. She oh, hunt, nice. loved to hunt squirrels and rabbits. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, That's the most Louisiana thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) While we sat there and ate crawfish. It was great. There you go. (laughs) Is there any uh, animal at the zoo that that you would like to take home that you can? I'm sure you can't, but that you would love to just like hang out with in your living room? No, I don't want to take them home. And, and, <laughs> but I, I love, you know, what I learned from them. Uh, I did have, you know, growing, uh, growing up and also early in my, my marriage, we had a lot of snakes at the house. Mm-hmm. I was really into reptiles. And uh, 
After a third child was born, there was a debate whether the kid or the snakes could go in the basement. And I knew the snakes couldn't go in the basement. It was too cold down there. So I had to get rid of my snakes. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. Tough choices. <laughs> tough choice. <laughs> the tough choices we have. <laughs> I, absolutely. I like that there are a lot of goth kids listening to this that identify with it. Oh, I had to get rid of my snakes once. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> so um, do you have a favorite animal here? I have lots of favorites, uh, you know, starting with the primates, of course, it's still primates, uh, Saimangs, which is, you know, the large gibbon that's got this incredible voice. Uh, I really like those. I worked with one uh, in the beginning of my career that was just quite a character, and so I really enjoy that species. Uh, I work with clouded leopards, which we don't have here, but it's a really cool species found in uh, Southeast Asia. They live in the trees more so than a lot of the other cats. Uh, and, and they're kind of a challenge to work with, not to keep them healthy and alive, but to uh, keep a sustainable population. They were kind of hard to reproduce. Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of challenges. So that, that was another cool species that well, I worked are they, with. Are they like pandas where they just refuse to have sex? And you're like, just, just do it already, pandas. Just do it. Come on, pandas. pandas. Come on. No, they try to have sex. The problem is there's a problem with males wanting to kill the females. So, oh, uh, I can see that being a problem. Know, it's a tough yeah. thing. And, <laughs> and a lot, so now I'll get technical real quick. With a lot of the cats, they're solitary, right? And mm -hmm. the only time they do get together is for breeding. And if you've ever seen any of particularly on tigers, they'll show the male mounting the female and holding her by the scruff of the neck. Yeah. And that's really so she doesn't kill him. <laughs> and then when the, the act is over, she jumps up and just slaps the snot out of him, you know, and he runs off. So, wow. Unfortunately, with the clouded leopards, they're about twice as big as the females, and sometimes they oh, wow. slap back. So oh my they're a God. tough wow. species. Jeez. Uh, what about bears? Do you have any uh, – uh, do you have bears here? We, we have uh, one older black bear that was rescued years ago before I even got here. Uh, I have worked with uh, grizzly bears, sloth bears as well. Yeah, so wow. great. Have you, have you been around any polar uh, – not polar bears, but uh, panda bears? Yeah. Uh, more just as a zoo visitor as well, but no, never worked with them directly. Yeah, that's one. We were talking about this on the on the drive over that uh, what like what animals do well in the zoo yeah. and what animals do not do well. Yeah, for you, like what 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 have you noticed? Like does like really like sustains well here, and and what kind of animals are uh, you know don't adapt very well. Yeah, and and that's evolving. Um, you know, we talked about gorillas a little bit. Uh, Years ago, a little bit before I started, uh, gorillas did not do well in zoos, and a lot of it had to do with diet and stress-related issues, how they were kept, how they were managed. Uh, they definitely didn't reproduce, and, and now we have to control the reproduction. They're doing quite well. In wow. fact, one of the big issues we're dealing with is heart disease in, in gorillas and trying to understand why they seem to have a, a tendency to develop that in later age. Uh, so uh, the point I'm trying to make is that... Um, we do a collection plan that really identifies, A, what species need some work? Do we have the staff and the capability here to take care of that species? And is it appropriate for Los Angeles? You know, obviously polar bears would be a struggle here. And mm -hmm. the zoo had polar bears for a number of years, yeah. and they actually lived beyond 22 years, which is an extended life. But, you know, if we were ever going to do it again, we'd probably put them in a climate-controlled environment, not try to make them adapt to Los Angeles. Yeah, I I, uh, I, I know there was a, a study in San Diego, because San Diego Zoo, I, I think, still has yep, a polar bear, right? Or they have a few. And they they were having a lot of trouble with, uh, with polar bears pacing in the zoo yeah. and that that was like becoming a real problem right. was that they were not ha they were having a lot of trouble adapting and same thing with their penguins they were having a lot of trouble with mm -hmm. with penguins as well and that does seem kind of like if you're gonna have a zoo in a hot place maybe maybe yeah. you don't need to have polar bears also polar bears as matt uh, reminded me on the way over uh they're mean. They're mean. They're mean, and they'll right? they they're they, efficient predators. Yeah, yeah put they it that do. Way. They 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 do. I just heard a news story about like a polar bear that killed somebody up in like Alaska or somewhere. Like, and they just found some bones, and they're like, "Well, not much you can do because you can't really outrun them, and you're just." Well, if they want you, then yeah, they, you. and they also. Uh, I mean, I, I'm. This is just from what I've heard, but they also uh, kill for fun. Is that true? Have you heard that? Am I, I just making that? I haven't up? heard that about polar bears. All right, no. maybe I made like it up. every day is the purge. <laughs> like every day is the purge. A constant purge. <laughs> yeah, I actually had uh, about the heart disease and everything. Yeah. I 
I came in here with six questions, and this okay. is the first one. Uh, it's that uh, I love the zoo, but the, as I grew up and came and decided not to Google why I felt a certain way, I became sad and angry that there was a zoo because it has so much stigma attached to right. it without me being educated about it. Right. But that's kind of a misconception when you're talking about things like discovering why gorilla hearts are right. getting disease, right? Right. Yeah, and, and it's one of the things that I try to share with people now that a big part of what's happening with zoos nowadays, and let me back up a second. So this zoo is credited by the Association of Zoos and Aquariums. There's about 230 of us in that association. To show animals to the public in the United States, you have to be licensed by the USDA. There's 2,800 of those. So we feel that we're the cream of the crop. Mm -hmm. We go through an extensive accreditation program that looks at everything from how we make money, how we spend money, but more importantly, animal welfare, animal care, animal health. A big part of what we're doing now is is developing technologies and skills and knowledges that can be used directly in the field. That's how this zoo and the San Diego Zoo saved the California condor. Mm -hmm. When they got down to 22 birds, we were the zoos that knew how to breed vultures and large birds of prey. All 22 came out of the wild Mm -hmm. into our institutions. There's close to 500 now. In fact, just last week, actually this week, there was a report of one spotted in Wyoming, first time in 100 years. Those wow. are birds that were bred at our institutions. That's incredible. So we, we do that, you know, even if we're not putting animals directly back in the wild, like the condors, like Arabian oryx, like Baja uh, Peninsular pronghorn, like the yellow-legged frogs. If you saw that in the local media mm-hmm. now, we just sent 500 back up into the San Gabriel yeah, they Mountains. they breeding like thousands and thousands of frogs here. Yeah, yeah. just going crazy. And yeah. uh, well, so we can transfer awesome. that, that information to the field biologists. Well, well, especially like, you know, I guess the old version of what people thought of a zoo was mm-hmm. that it was like you'd, you know, like oh, why aren't they it's being like part of a circus? Yeah, it was like part yeah, of the, it was like why aren't they releasing them into the wild? But yeah. then you have animals like the okapi mm-hmm. who were basically being farmed out of extinction right. for their bones to be used as cell phone parts right. in like certain certain parts of Africa and Asia, and it's like yeah. because of zoos, they are. Uh, like you know, repopulating right. the the world with these beautiful, really cool creatures too. Exactly, they are gorgeous, and they really yeah. are neat too. Because like they're they're uh, they release like an oil from their their whole body's really neat. Like with they, <laughs> it releases like kind of like a. Am I right about that? Yeah. Like when you touch their yeah. their skin, it kind of comes like like. Uh, this it's like, like natural really cool. waterproofing, yeah. Yeah, they have like yeah. natural waterproofing. Yeah. It's like really Robbie neat. used to have. Yeah. Like Robbie used to have. Oh, <laughs> Our old pal Robbie. Oh, Robbie. <laughs> the exact same thing. So, and, so and let me just say, uh, don't feel too bad about the primate heart disease. One hundred percent of the primates that I would raise would have heart disease. They, okay. <laughs> Every morning, come and get your croissant sandwich, boys. That's right. Croissant right. sandwich. What do you? Yeah. So. You started off in primates, mm-hmm. and then do you sort of like, do, do people in this industry start off working with a certain type of animal, and that's sort of like the path they're on? Like, do they become like a primate specialist, and that's all they work with? Is there, or do there, is there like, you know, at any day at a zoo, are you like, okay, today you got the lions, you got the tigers, or like, is, are they sort of locked into a certain area? How does that work? And it really varies. I mean, uh, all across the country, depending on the zoo. And and keep in mind, this is a fairly large zoo, but there are zoos uh, that maybe only have 10 employees. So just about everybody there will have to be a generalist based Mm -hmm. on what animals live at their institution. But in the larger institutions, a lot of times you'll have mammologists, you'll have uh, uh, aviculturists that work with the birds, herpetologists with the reptiles and amphibians. So they do tend to specialize uh, initially. Yes. Mm -hmm. Wow. Is the platypus the strangest animal? <laughs> uh, boy, that is a loaded question. <laughs> Don't worry. We're going to get There's attacked no by so many trolls. There's no, <laughs> so many so trolls. Many no platypus in the room that can yeah. attack us if I say yes. I, I don't think it's strange. I think it's you know incredibly unique. That's the way mm-hmm. I look at it. Well, it, that's a yes. Yeah, that's got to be. Um, what about... Uh, now all the animals listening to the podcast. On the mic. Get on the mic. Yeah. <laughs> like all the animals are listening to this going, mm, okay. <laughs> I, I was about to get upset, but he but saved it at the last minute. Saved it with the platypus. Um, there's a, we, we were, we were uh, talking about this too, that if this, uh, this zoo, there is another 
zoo that right. th- th- is it the old zoo what's old, happening so, what happened yeah, so because there's another zoo because here's why i know because i went on a hollywood hayride right and uh they took us uh and they were like ah this is the old zoo and you're like there was another zoo yeah. so what happened there's actually been several zoos in the history of los angeles and uh the old griffith park zoo structure is still there there's no animals there but it's it's over uh close to where the merry-go-round is in griffith park oh wow and so the grottos and some of the old cages are still there it's used as a picnic venue part of the hayride i think they do shakespeare in the park over there and uh, so it's still used as a as a public event space but there are no animals this zoo replaced that zoo and it was built in the 60s and opened in 1966 so we just recently celebrated our 50th anniversary. Wow. Before that, there was another zoo called the Seelig Zoo in, mm-hmm. in uh, East L.A., which was actually privately owned. And, and a lot of the animals. William Seelig, who yep. opened the very first permanent movie studio yep. in Los Angeles, right. mm-hmm. in Glendale, and then he moved to Lincoln Heights. Yep. And then he found at the time the most popular movies he made had wild animals in them. So he had the largest collection of animals in the 19-teens. That's right. And then opened a zoo along with his movie studio so you could go to the zoo where they made Movies. Well, look, if we're going to mention that, we should also then, mention... Mon- so we should, we question should, I was going to ask. We should also then mention Monkey Island, uh, <laughs> one of uh, my favorite uh, weird facts about Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. There was an island. Do you know about this? I don't know on this On Coanga Boulevard, uh, there was an island. It was a... <laughs> an uh, island on Coanga Boulevard. There was. Uh, <laughs> it was a fake giant metal volcano. It was two fake oh, wow. volcanoes mm-hmm. that were built in the late 30s by uh, two brothers as a roadside attraction and uh and they they thought they would uh populate it with monkeys <laughs> and they had a moat around, around the it. island yeah and uh and so they they uh ordered 50 monkeys from africa for, uh, to be delivered to the long beach pier pier and <laughs> instead of 50 monkeys arriving 500 monkeys <laughs> arrived all different shapes and sizes and kinds and they they knew nothing about monkeys and they just released them onto this giant oh, no. fake <laughs> island and they lived there for four years and for four years people could pay 25 cents for a bag of monkey nuts chow. or monkey chow to throw at <laughs> throw these monkeys the and, and I have one of the two pictures that were ever taken of Monkey really? Island framed wow. and hanging in my living room because wow. wow. I, I love how stupid <laughs> it is and the second that it shut down all those monkeys went to different zoos yeah. and to in, into the movies wow so, okay wow. question for you about the Selig Zoo now this is the thing I, I just was at a presentation this weekend about old movie studios and they mm-hmm. showed photos Photos that at the Selig Zoo they had these concrete statues at mm-hmm. the entrance, right. and that they were lost for many years. And then late nineties they found them, and on display here they have two concrete lions from the Selig Zoo. Right. But they said they also had donated concrete elephants that are not on display. And I want to know: are the concrete elephants like in a warehouse somewhere? Do you know what happened to those? Yeah, we we actually still have them. So mm-hmm. there's actually three sets of lions. When you go out of this building, you'll see two. Well, you can see all three of them. Uh, that were restored and mm-hmm. brought here, and we put them up. We have the elephants except for one uh, that, um, and now it's I'm losing losing the name. It'll come, but at any rate, we have them. They're they're in different levels of being restored, and ultimately they will be displayed as well. Oh, great, well, and cool. um, I, I'm totally missing the name. But apparently, the last elephant, the it's a series of adults and uh, elephant calves, and one of the calves was in a. TV comedian's front yard in Beverly Hills, and the kids used to play with yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forget who it was. Like, they mentioned that it was found in somebody's yard, yeah, and then yeah. they said, like, that uh, he wanted to keep it, and then his wife was like, just get rid of this stupid elephant. <laughs> 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 and they found a bunch of other ones at, like, a junkyard in the Inland Empire somewhere. They yeah, were just like... exactly. Actually, okay. my predecessor, uh, Manuel Molinetta, found them uh, with the help of one of our docent volunteers, wow. and they brought them here. That's yep. awesome. That's yep. so cool. Yeah, so it's sort of like a little tie-in to Hollywood history, which I love is great. It. That's amazing. Um, okay, here's something that uh, that I, I feel like we need to bring up <laughs> is uh, every once in a while, we have a situation happen. It happens in the news where someone falls into a cage or something, right, with right. some sort of animal. Right. And like nine out of ten times, they end up shooting the animal. I think we can all agree that I mean I don't know if you can agree with this, but we, <laughs> we the agree. four of us agree that uh, they should not be shooting the animal. Hey, 
If somebody falls into let, a cage, it just belongs to that animal now. Uh, it's yeah. their pet. Well, look, I mean, you want to try to save the person, but at the same time, that's not fair. That's like we're like if if uh, we're me or me and Mike were sitting in a restaurant and someone was like, "Oh, here's the cake that you prepaid for," and then they gave us a cake and then we started eating the cake and then they came back and said, "Hey, you you can't have that cake," and then they shot both of us. <laughs> like that doesn't seem fair <laughs> at all. Like yeah. that's so unfair yeah. to the animal, right? Like they, I mean, what. They're just doing what animals do, right? right? Come on, man. Like, well, so what's the deal with that? Why do they? Why do they do that? Well, obviously, you got to worry about the public safety, and it goes to you know. Oftentimes, the question I get from the from people is, it must be really difficult working with all those different species. And I say, no, that's the easy part. It's yeah. the people. Yeah. <laughs> the people yeah. are the yeah. The people are all the of ones. us. You know, we're the ones that are really difficult, and uh, so it really varies. I guess the only thing I'll take tasks with, I'm not sure, nine out of ten times, because there's been a lot of cases where uh, individuals got into animal areas and they were able to be mm-hmm. rescued without sure. injuring the animal. In fact, a great uh, case, and this goes to some of the training that I was talking about. A couple of decades ago, an infant fell into a habitat at the Brookfield Zoo in Chicago. A female gorilla picked her up, and the keepers were able to coax her to bring the child back to them in the in the night rooms and and hand over the baby, basically. So Whoa. neither the gorilla nor the baby were injured. So oh, thank God. There's for lots that. of ways yeah. to do that, but when it comes down to it, you got to protect the public from themselves sometimes. Yeah, oh, man, the public. That's, yeah, uh, <laughs> we disagree. Yeah, I know. So. I was just like, <laughs> what is it? The strong survive? Well, I mean, that human <laughs> is not so strong. No, I'm not sure though. I think if that had uh, happened. At my institution, I'd have just shot myself. No, I am not dealing with this. No way. Yeah, that's horrible. There's almost always, like every other year, a lady who tickles a bear. Right. At the zoo and gets caught by. Luckily, it, it that's about as far as it goes. They right. usually get caught, and then the bear gets tasered, who really was doing nothing yeah. wrong. It was basically just ticklish and didn't like it, like any normal person is like, cut it out, and then yeah. everyone reacts, and it's like, but it's there's got to be a way to stop that lady from from yeah. tickling the bear at the zoo. I, uh, yeah, because it's every other year. There was a there was a story where a guy uh, where uh, these guys were throwing stuff at a they were throwing something at like a at a tiger or at something but like for for like for days and for days and days they were doing this yeah. and then finally the the animal like jumped like you know jumped up and took took him out and it was like well you know oh, i but, just you know like i'm i always feel for the animals right. because people are um what's the word Idiots. Stupid. It, yeah, yeah, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> or uninformed. You know, uninformed. You know yeah. one of the problems now is that, you know, something like 80% of, of the public in the U.S. lives in urban areas. They don't live around wildlife anymore. Mm-hmm. And you don't even have to talk about zoos, you know, at the major national parks. People get gored by bison because they're trying to get that selfie or get too close. They get too close to the grizzly bears, and then they're surprised. They get hurt. And uh, that's part of what we try to do at our zoo is – reconnect people with wildlife the animals that are here are not pets we don't go to an effort to tame them or or make them different in nature we want them to retain their wild nature and people need to respect that absolutely now there was a trend for a while especially with large primates where it seemed like a lot of institutions were trying to teach them to communicate with sign language and other things and it's been tried multiple times like i saw a documentary about one in on netflix um get it you read Holy uh, cow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But, uh, like, that doesn't really you happen You don't even anymore, do Netflix right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Find the nerdiest way to do that. So, like, that doesn't really happen anymore, right? Like, we're not going out to try to find the next Coco and try to teach primates sign well, language We're anymore, not or? here. I, I'm, I'm more impressed with the natural abilities of the animals. I want to understand why do they do the things they do and how does that help them survive, you know, in mm-hmm. their in the wild um that's what i'm interested in not what they can tell me about my own self yeah 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 and now uh what about uh, celebrity zookeepers or celebrity zoologists mm-hmm. how do you feel about uh those folks i mean you have like the steve like Irwin's did you ever want to be like the next jack Hanna or you're telling me i'm not <laughs> oh you definitely <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, you're on this podcast. So yeah, you're on this podcast. <laughs> pretty impressive. I know. Who knows where I'm going from here? Right? <laughs> do you want Do you want to go on Conan O'Brien and bring animals to Conan O'Brien? No, I don't. But I've got staff that can do that. Um, you know, I know Jack personally. In fact, we had him here. We recognized him at our Beastly Ball this year, and um, I know several of those folks that do, and they help us. They get the message across. Uh, they help you know people understand what's going on with wildlife you know and they they tell the good news about good zoos and good aquariums so i think they're good for our, our profession uh it's not what i aspire to be but uh, uh i appreciate what they do now so, how much of your job is dealing with animals and how much of your job is dealing with like oh i got to find out why we don't have any more popcorn like things like that like how much is <laughs> the boring stuff of like dealing with the human stuff and how much is getting to deal with these cool animals. What's the percentage? Yeah. Know? Well, as you can imagine, I don't spend a lot of time cleaning cages anymore. Yes. <laughs> I, I did that years ago, and, and I can still do it. But what I do is I get to dream and envision, you know, what can we do for those animals? How do I get the resources to mm -hmm. do that? How do I get people to buy into that vision? How do I communicate with the mayor and the city council mm -hmm. to get them to buy into that vision. That's a big part of what I do. I mean, there's a lot of administrative things. Some days I sign things. I don't even know why I'm signing them, but <laughs> <laughs> they told me I had to. So that's, that's why I do it, you know, but uh, spreading the message, but like doing these type of things, talking to community groups, mm -hmm. talking to school kids when they come into the zoo. You know, I had an experience uh, a few weeks ago with uh, some visitors, uh, two grandparents, and a granddaughter who was here from Cincinnati, and they'd come here specifically to see our Okapi calf, mm -hmm. and she knew all about Okapis, and unfortunately that day the dad was out and mom and the calf weren't. And just talking to him, I got a chance to take him in the back and show him the calf, and the daughter was just, oh, you know, nice. wow. granddaughter was beside herself. So those those are special moments, and mm -hmm. we can make those moments. That's amazing. Now, who are some of the... Oh, sorry, sorry. I, it's, all, it's all on the lines of that. Uh, something I was really interested about, especially in 15 years here, is like, ha has the food changed because the earth is changing so dramatically, whether it's global warming or whatever you think it is? Like, How has your job been affected by the way the, the earth is changing? Food for the animals or for the people? Well, I love popcorn, but I don't think anyone else cares <laughs> about that. Yeah, Actually, it's changed for both. So I'll start with the people and I'll keep it short. Uh, uh, we do quite a bit of local sourcing and, and try great. to be responsible. Our particular concessionaire has been very responsible in reducing most of the materials now that they have that they serve food in is compostable. So, you know, we don't add it to the landfills. And no they, more straws. No more straws. Uh, we do that for a couple of reasons. You know, some of those straws find their way into animals areas and if they eat it they can't always you know pass it uh, but also because of the you know the issues with plastic and our and our, our retailer just told us this week that they just reduced their plastic not what single-use plastic in the items they are selling in our gift store substantially so we do a lot of things to walk the talk uh, with the animals, uh, you know, diets have changed a lot. Fortunately, now there are a lot of commercial uh, diets that are actually available for zoo animals, everything from our flamingos to our great apes. But then that's augmented with fresh produce. I mean, they get all their food is human grade, uh, fresh produce, uh, fish. Uh, we get meat products for the carnivores. Uh, so, yeah, there's quite a bit of things that we use. That's fantastic. I was just curious, yeah, where is it coming from? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so what is new in the zoo? Uh, yeah, that, like what, what are some? I know there's a new giraffe. There's a new giraffe. I know there's a new gorilla, or monkey, gorilla, gorilla, gorilla. gorilla yes, yeah. a new gorilla. Yeah. So we we have a, a new uh, giraffe calf that was born recently. We've we've over the years produced about 32 Maasai giraffes at this institution Whoa. that have gone to you know other facilities. Uh, and Gia, uh, a young female uh, gorilla, came here. She was actually born at the San Diego Zoo. But she's a good example of another thing that's really uh, uh, major importance in our industry right now is that um, a lot of the animals here are managed by committees that are volunteers of people that work at our institutions uh, that look at the genetics and the demographics, the age and sex ratios of the population. And the breeding plans and the transfer plans are designed to try to sustain that population at 90% genetic diversity for 100 years. Why? Mm -hmm. So they look and act like the animals they are, but more importantly, if there is ever a need or opportunity to put those animals back into the wild, mm -hmm. they have the genetic capacity to survive. So she came here as part of that program to breed with our male Kelly, and hopefully they'll produce an offspring. Wow, that's mm. incredible. Uh, okay, here's here's one for you. Um, 
what animals are more fierce than you th- than most people would think they are? Well, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Uh, sometimes you're surprised by some of the birds, um, at least bird on bird. They're incredibly aggressive. You know, and really? you see these large aviaries, you know, you think you could just put millions of birds in there, but it doesn't work that way. <laughs> uh, they can take each other out in no time. So birds can be very aggressive to each other, maybe wow. not so much to people. Uh, you know, all the big cats. Uh, jaguars, that's, that's the one that constantly amazes me. I mean, obviously, they're a big, strong cat. But those guys think, and so when you're working around them, you got to think too and be safe for their sake as well as your own sake. So, really? uh, yeah, jaguars are pretty incredible. Orangutans aren't fierce, but they're so daggum smart. Um, you know, when I was working with them directly, I was constantly being outsmarted by uh, the orangutans. <laughs> are they so. the smartest of the apes? No, the line kind of goes, chimps mess with something until they either fix it or break it. Mm -hmm. And uh, gorillas will just forcibly do what they want with it. Orangs will look at it for years, and then the first time they try it, they get it right. So they look like dangerous. Albert Einstein. So yeah, yeah. It kind of makes <laughs> well, sense. They're, they're redheads, so it makes sense. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt's a redhead. <laughs> I see that. Makes sense. Um, uh, have you ever? Uh, have you guys ever had any inter- like um, kind of rough interactions with gorillas or with? Because those guys are so big, they they can. They can knock anything down. I mean, they're just so huge. Well, we have, uh, as you know, we have our family group that we were talking about with Kelly and Ngia and uh, Evelyn and I forget the other gorilla's name right now. But we have two half-brothers that are in a bachelor group, and those two wrestle occasionally, and they'll beat each other up. And uh, sometimes chimps, just their normal behavior, when they get into a fight, uh, they don't just, like, slap and tumble. They, They bite and tear. And so they get pretty rough with each other, uh, but we have to, uh, depending on the, the the type of wound that they might get, typically we just let it heal on their own because if you pull them out and try to repair it, by the time you get them back in, now suddenly everybody's like, well, why are you so special? You know, and now they get attacked again. So you kind of have to let them sort wow. it out. Yeah. Does that happen often? Like, are there a lot of fights in the zoo every day, like in different parts of it or no no it, it varies you know with the chimp uh troop it it happens as the troop evolves so you'll get a young guy that you know suddenly realizes he's older and maybe it's time to take over mm-hmm. and so he'll start pushing people around and then if they don't like it they push back and you end up with a fight uh and they have favorites within the troop so. did giraffes fight uh, male giraffes yeah. would fight in in in. Have for, you seen giraffes fighting? Yeah, I've, look I it think, up on YouTube. I think so. It's fascinating. I just wasn't sure if that was necks. real or not. Just so yeah. you know, this whole line of questioning. Uh, Stephen played Mortal Kombat all <laughs> night last night, <laughs> and so now he just wants to know wants to which know. animals can beat up which That's animals. Right. Which animals are going up against which animals? Uh, rhinos going up against. Uh, you guys have rhinos, right? We don't. We right <laughs> don't have any rhinos. We don't have any rhinos. No. Darn have it! You, have <laughs> you, now you'll never know. I I uh, I had a. a situation where i got to meet a rhino uh, or like touch at a like, signing yeah or? like give a give a rhino yeah <laughs> no come on i had to give a rhino it was like where you give the it was like the, the wild animal park right right I, I believe and i gave the rhino some uh leaves and then i turned around for someone to take the picture of me standing there doing it and the rhino backed up and then rammed the <laughs> gate that i that was between me and the rhino right. and the picture is literally me going ah! while the rhino had slammed into the, into the door i was like oh man oh, yeah. um yeah those guys are yeah they're pretty cool they're pretty what would cool. you say is like your big get recently as far as animals have you gotten like anything cool that you were like uh, screw you, San Diego. We got him. <laughs> yeah. did, you, did you ever get anything like that? Where, that you were like, ah, oh, we we finally got the, you know, spotted dovetailed <laughs> alligator. <or whatever>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, one night we went down to San Diego and broke into the zoo, and no, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, borrow, the podcast took a, a turn. Panda, we yeah, got borrowed a panda. Yeah. <laughs> is there is there competitiveness between zoos? Do you feel that? Uh, yes and no. There's there's not really competitive. Obviously, we work real close with San Diego and, and share information, share ideas. Uh, in fact, one of the things that's kind of fun is that when we get a new uh, director or CEO in a zoo that comes in from, from the business world, they're totally shocked that they can get on the phone and talk to anybody and find out you know what worked, what didn't work, mm-hmm. sometimes is even more important. Uh, and what good ideas that they might have for their institution. So we're very cooperative. Obviously, we're cooperating with our breeding programs. 
Uh, we share ideas on marketing. Um, so it, it's, no, it's not that competitive. It, it is in a fun way. You know, we, we will tease each other about our accomplishments and what they didn't get. Uh, but uh, it's a very cooperative profession. Do you, uh, do, are there zoo conventions? Like, do you yeah. get together with all the other zoo directors? Yeah, we have uh, 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 an annual association of zoos and aquarium meeting. Uh, this year it's going to be in Seattle in September. Then we have a mid-year meeting as well. And mm -hmm. uh, there is a meeting in January of all the zoo and aquarium directors where we get together and uh, learn and talk about ideas and make make life miserable for the executives at the association <laughs> okay so when, i mean look i i i don't want to turn this into a conversation about sea world but yeah. uh let's turn this into a conversation about sea world <laughs> for a second um do, do you um i know that they're like they're like they have literally lost an enormous amount of their like you know following of people right. that come right. you know to their stuff and they they have uh done some great things but they've also you know have had some trouble and stuff with certain uh situations and uh do you feel like there are anim like there are mammals that shouldn't be kept in zoos or not in zoos but in parks like that is that are they considered a zoo well, SeaWorld's a member of our association, and, okay. uh, you know, I think that's a tough one, but, I mean, it goes to an important thing, and that is that there's nothing wrong with groups holding zoos and aquariums accountable for the animals that live here and trying to understand whether this species is appropriate for the space. But, unfortunately, a lot of times they don't stick to the truth, and uh, I'll have to defend SeaWorld in this case. Uh, they do incredible work both at their parks as well as in the field, uh, rescuing thousands of animals uh, every year that are beached and uh, breeding and, and releasing sea turtles, etc. So uh, they kind of caught, caught flat-footed. Um, some of the information was true and some of it wasn't. And unfortunately, they never got a chance to really balance that out and tell the true story. Yeah, that's a uh, we're yeah. living we're we're living in a world of that, right? right. Yeah, yeah. we're. You know, it's it's facts are not always the the thing that people right. go to. It's uh, m most often it's it's retweets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's retweets and feelings. You know, and feelings yeah. yes. and uh, and you know feelings are great, but facts are also very important. Right. And and uh, I you know I know I grew up in San Diego mm -hmm. and I used to go to SeaWorld all the time, mm -hmm. and I I would watch them repopulate. Uh, you know, different species that were right. going extinct or that ha that were having all sorts of, you know, health problems or they would take animals, you know, uh, in that, that were not doing well and, you know, heal them up and fix right. them up and then send them back out into the world. And yeah, so mm -hmm. eh, tricky. Yeah. But... Well, and you're, you're also just having animals in captivity. I understand the instinct of like, well, that's not right. But it's also, there there are things where you're presenting animals to people that they would never be able to see otherwise. They would have no chance whatsoever. Right. And showing the importance of that animal right. existing and being, and that you're connected to it in the world, that it, it matters. You know, people think of like the rainforest in a very distanced sort of way. Right. But when you're seeing, oh, it's this animal's home right. and, and this animal could not exist without it. Right. It, it, Provides a major service. Absolutely. And also, a, a lot of that, you know, that wild that those animals are from, you know, so, like uh, some of the, you know, monkeys and gorillas that are from certain, uh, you know, you know, f you know, forests and stuff, those, those forests are gone. Like they, right. we, yeah. we destroyed them, yes. you know? So, I mean, so it's, it's almost I like mean, it's the least we could do I, specifically you and me, Mike, yeah. we, uh, just out. our trips to McDonald's <laughs> alone. <laughs> We've burned down have probably plenty destroyed. of forests. Just you We've and done me. a lot of deforestation. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of the world and, and everything, yeah. there are people that travel from all over the world to come here. If you were to, to send one message to them of like, there's one thing here you don't want to miss the, on, on your, if you're here one day, right. The one thing you have to do would be go to the Los Angeles Zoo. Well, no, I mean like <laughs> they're already they've got their ticket. They're coming okay, to the zoo. Okay, so like while they're the, here, you don't want them yeah, to miss. Yeah, it, it would be what what thing or what type of thing to do? 
Well, I think going and, and looking at the different hoofstock, that's one of the things that this zoo is known for, the, the antelope, the hooved animals, the goats, the sheep that we have at this oh, institution. Okay. They're not going to see it a lot of institutions. Our reptile and amphibian group, uh, uh, very rare, and the, the staff there have done some incredible things uh, with everything from little bitty tiny uh, Iranian newts all the way up to Komodo dragons. I mean, they've just done incredible work. Wow. Uh, and then our elephant habitat, you know, that's uh, mm-hmm. one that's, like Sea World, we get a little bit of criticism about having elephants, but our elephant habitat is great. Uh, the staff does great work with yeah. them, and, and that's been uh, redone. Because I remember when I, again when I was a kid, the elephants at the LA Zoo were very controversial, right? And uh, it's been completely turned around now. Like you have this world class elephant habitat. It's gorgeous. That yeah. Is is great? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, a couple a couple last questions before we wrap yeah, up. And I got two, unless you got. All right, no, go go ahead, Glazer. You have one, and then I'll. Where does all the poop go? <laughs> oh, we were asking about that. Yes, and, seriously. Me and Matt it's legit, about but it's here. like there's what so happens, many animals. Also, what happens to animals in the zoo after they pass away? Like what do you do with? Oh, no animal dies here. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> this is a Highlander office. <laughs> it's all the animals. Yeah, remember. <laughs> Right. Well, I'll start with the poop first and then I'll come with deceased yeah. animals. But uh, uh, most of our, our, our poop, manure, et cetera, goes to a compost site in Griffith Park. And it's part of the compost that's, uh, that's produced there. And so it gets recycled and reused. Now, hmm. there are some uh, primate uh, uh, feces, uh, some of the cat feces. There are public health issues, so they have to go to a, a, a landfill. But uh, most of the poop goes there. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I love uh, that. Animals that die here, and, and just for the record, every animal in a zoo is going to die at some point, yeah. just like every staff member. <laughs> uh, so, uh, well but, said. Uh, literally, I'm going to say everything because I'm trying to think of an exception, but uh, everything uh, receives an initial necropsy by our veterinary staff. We have uh, four and a half full-time veterinarians and I think five veterinary technicians and, and keepers that work at our animal hospital. Uh, they get an initial necropsy, which is like an mm-hmm. autopsy for for an animal, to see if we can find out, you know, what happened to that animal. Why did it die? Did it anything that we didn't know about? A lot of times, tissue samples are sent outside of the zoo to a lab to do an in-depth uh, review. That information is put into an international database that a veterinarian in any other zoo or even field biologist can get access to. So mm-hmm. they know, you know, the prevalence of heart disease in, oh, yeah. in gorillas, or they know what the normal, you know, red blood cell count is for a rare species. Uh, and, and the daily reports that all of our keepers write every day, they write a report that goes into an international database, again, that can be shared worldwide. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to diseases that uh, animals can get, that humans can get, mm-hmm. do are there any hippos that have diabetes? <laughs> uh, are there penguins that get frostbite? Do, are there giant turtles that get Alzheimer's? <laughs> what, what He's happens? asking for a friend. He's not, asking, this is yeah. for a friend. Yeah, it's not for me. For somebody you know. I, yeah. I understand. I understand. <laughs> Well, we, we do deal, deal with what we call zoonotic diseases, which are diseases that can be passed from animals to staff because they need to be aware of it and protect themselves. Sure. Uh, and we do training with our staff to tell them how to protect themselves. That's part of the physicals that the animals get to make sure they don't have disease that can be transferred. Uh, elephants could get tuberculosis, which can be transferred. So once a wow. year they get a TB Whoa. test. And once a year, all the staff at the zoo that works with uh, primates and elephants, actually all the animals, they get a TB test okay, as well. Okay, question for you. Yeah. How do you do a TB test on an elephant? Because on a human, you prick the little skin and you look for the bumps. Right. How do you do it on an elephant? Well, with the, with the elephants, you actually put uh, sterile saline in their trunk. They swish mm-hmm. it around and spit it into a bag, and then that is Oh, it's cultured. like a DNA? Oh, yeah. wow. Whoa. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. Oh, my God. Uh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, and yeah. then the, the primates, uh, when they get tuberculosis testing, uh, the, the testing is done in the eyelid. Mm-hmm. That way, if they have a positive result when they come in and they're winking at you, yeah, you can stay see back. Yeah, don't go close. Whoa. How oh often God. does that happen? Like, how often do you come up with, like, oh, this elephant has TB? Like, has that ever happened here? Or? Uh, there was one elephant years ago that had TB. I can't tell you the exact date, way before mm-hmm. I got here. Uh, we haven't had any uh, primates, 
but it is, you know, uh, orangutans are, uh, it's not unusual for them to show false positives because mm-hmm. they react to the antigen that you're using. Yeah. So then you have to do an x-ray to make sure they don't actually have the tuberculosis. We haven't mm-hmm. had any cases. What about cancer? Do, do any of the, the animals, could they, get, could they get cancer? They do occasionally. I mean, you know, one of the things that's happening a lot of times in our institutions is that animals live longer than they would in the wild, you know, mm-hmm. and and um, as it's, as a result, they develop age-related disease, whether it's cancer, or renal disease, or liver disease, et cetera. Wow. Is there like that a geriatric veterinarian on staff, like somebody like you have a gerontologist <laughs> for a human? But uh, they actually become that, you know, over time. Uh, you know, years ago <laughs> when uh, when the pot-bellied pigs, you know, first yeah. started becoming popular, vets had to learn what to do with an old pig because a lot of pigs didn't <laughs> yeah, live that didn't long. Live that, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. My mom has a pig. Yeah. She has a a cooney cooney. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know those yeah. they're they're real weird. Yeah, weird. They got the little giblet things hanging from their from their mouth. <laughs> I Looks have, like, like actually I wanted is the is the medicine that you can give these animals the same as human medicine? Is it one to one like that? And also, has there ever been any trying to use like THC or CBD at all to like help <laughs> oh, animals God. that are sore? <laughs> that are sore. Yeah, that's right. Um, the medication. You know what the pizza budget would be at the zoo if they had to do. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, <laughs> I don't know if I should go on or not. But no, please, please, <laughs> please, please do, please. The the medications are, are all the above. I mean, there are vet there are veterinary medications strictly for animals, and but in a lot of cases, as you can imagine, our vets are having to interpret what you would use in a domestic ho- horse versus you know a, an exotic species. There are some human medications that also can be used in animals, uh, and sometimes though the the vets have to interpolate that you know and and then work out the doses. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we, we need to wrap up this show uh, because we have a tour of the zoo that oh. we have to go and yes. hop on a little tour. But, we but to hang take on. a tour of the zoo. Oh, God. Tell <laughs> what me a about. horrible I'm day. <laughs> so incredibly excited. Uh, I have one last question for sure. you. Two words Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. How long until we have Jurassic Park? Where, where, where are we at with that? Well, I don't know if we're going to have Jurassic Park, but there are works in the in going on, you know, to try to bring back things like the northern white rhino uh, that have mm-hmm. disappeared. But there are, you know, germplasm in freezers and zoos around the world, so there might be a way to bring those rhinos back. Oh man! Uh, so, what about know, woolly? I've heard, I've heard there's some woolly mammoth talk about <laughs> them trying to bring the woolly mammoth back with by mixing it with uh, right. with elephants. Then yeah. you just get snuffleupagus. <laughs> <laughs> If only. You say that like that's the worst thing that could happen. I would love a snuffleupagus. I'm being serious, guys. We're in the zoo director's office. We're asking him a question about Jurassic Park. That's right. All right. serious. I'm trying to fade. We're in Los Angeles where they wrote it. I'm waiting for Jeff facts to break into the office and start chewing us out. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, one last question. Yes, yes. On a serious note. What can individuals like us do to help make sure that the zoo is moving forward and that uh, it's a good place that we can come for the, for the next hundred years. Right. So obviously visit the zoo, mm-hmm. uh, send us, we have social media, we have uh, Twitter, we have all the, the new social medias as it evolves. Mm-hmm. Uh, respond to the podcast, you know, tell us what you like, what you don't like. We do listen mm-hmm. uh, because it's important because sometimes we learn, but sometimes we need to inform. So either way we want people to give us feedback. Get involved with conservation activities, too. And when you make purchases, think about what that purchase is going to do. Is it going to take down the rainforest? Is it going to clog a stream? But just think about what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. John Lewis, thank you so much for uh, having us down here to your office and uh, and and, re- and answering all of our absolutely ridiculous and wonderful questions. We uh, we love you, man. This is and it's we love this zoo uh, and and uh, for our fans and people that listen to the show, uh, it's at LA Zoo on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and the Los Angeles Zoo on YouTube. Uh, but just use hashtag uh, LA Zoo, uh, you know, to tweet your pictures and your posts. And uh, post stuff and, and post pictures right. and tag and follow. Uh, also, you can always get me at Stephen Glickman, S T P H E N Glickman, on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. I'll be posting video from us uh, messing around, walking around the park today, and checking things out. 
Um, uh, Mike Black, where can people find you? Uh, on all social media at Mike Black Attack. I also do a fellow podcast or another podcast mm-hmm. in the world called The Power Pals. Sure. Uh, not safe for work. <laughs> uh, this is Mike Glazer. I'm at Glazer Boo Hoo Hoo on all social media. Um, and DM me your thoughts on Elon Musk. <laughs> and uh, what about you? What about you, Matt Walker? Uh, you can find links to everything at funnymat.com. And if you want to debate with me about whether orangutans are actually the greatest primates, I will take those suggestions at mattwalkersucks.com. Absolutely, um, uh, John. Uh, do you have any social media? Any any way that people can get a hold of you? Or you want me to keep it through uh, through the through the handles? Probably just keep it through the handles. Uh, but thank you guys for being here. This was fun. Thank you for sharing information about the zoo to your listeners. We really appreciate that. Absolutely, we love this place, and uh, we're gonna go head out into the park and uh, go uh, have some snacks. All, All right. right, talk to you guys <laughs> soon. Right. Bye. Thanks a lot. Come to the zoo, please. <laughs>